Hello, 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 and welcome to the Kingston Curator here on 101.9 FM CFRC. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I'm very happy to be your host, bringing you arts headlines, interviews, and our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This week, we're bringing you the latest on exciting live music, including an interview with the Bowie Lives frontman Michael Bell, but stay tuned later in the hour for Kick and Push Festival interviews from our broadcast journalist, Christina Lowry. We'll have all that, plus your live music calendar coming up, but first, here's your arts headlines for the week. Hitting Kingston this Saturday and Sunday, August 12th through 13th, the 20th Annual Women's Art Festival takes place in City Park. The festival runs from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day and features over 200 artists as well as music, dance, art installations, a silent auction, a children's activity area, and local food vendors. This year marks the first Women's Art Festival that has been incorporated into a nonprofit, and proceeds from the event go to a variety of causes supporting the arts and women's and children's causes in the local area. To learn more about Women's Art Fest and plan your weekend, you can visit womensartfestival.ca. The Union Gallery has an open call for Queen's University student artists through to August 21st for presentation of their artwork on the feature wall this coming autumn season. This year's programming theme is Radical Play and focuses on accessible programs that serve equity-deserving communities as well as lively, interactive art practices and gatherings. If you're a Queen's student with an arts piece you'd like to submit for consideration for display at the Union Gallery, you can get in touch with them at ugallery.director at queensu.ca with a statement of interest and examples of your creative works. More information about the call and how to submit is available at uniongallery.queensu.ca, and again, that deadline is August 21st. Kingston Writers Fest has released their 2023 reading guide list of all the titles coming to this year's festival that will be running September 27th to October 1st at the Holiday Inn Kingston Waterfront. This event will feature over 40 authors across 50 events, as well as KWF Writers Retreat events and much more. The titles and authors for this year span over many different genres, and you can find the reading guide now at kwfunbound.ca slash reading underscore guide. And for more on Kingston Writers Fest, visit kwfunbound.ca or kingstonwritersfest.ca. The Kick and Push Festival has officially started as of July 22nd and will run until August 19th across downtown Kingston. Through varied theater experiences, Kick and Push aims to take the audience beyond passive observers and the festival is now in their ninth year. This weekend in particular, you can catch La Boule at McDonald Park as part of the festival, a theater, dance, and mime show for all ages designed for public space. Stay tuned to the rest of the hour because CFRC broadcast journalist Christina Lowry sat down with assistant production manager and development lead Madeline Smith, as well as creator and performer Eric Wolf from Kick and Push to get you an inside look at this year's festival. As part of the Kick and Push festivities, the Theatre Kingston Fringe Festival kicks off on August 3rd and runs until the 13th, showcasing 18 shows across 11 days and three venues ranging across all genres and fantastic creative teams and performers. For the full Fringe lineup schedule and for tickets and passes, you can check out theaterkingston.com. And celebrating this theater season here in Kingston, Kingston's Independent Cinema The Screening Room will be running their 2023 theater flick picks from July 31st to August 14th. Films are chosen and hosted by members of Kingston's theater community as a part of the Kick and Push Festival. On the docket for this year is Waiting for Guffman, L'Audition, and 8 Mile. And all throughout August at the Screening Room, you can catch the classic cinema lineup showing favorite features like Wet Hot American Summer, The Lion King, The Searchers, Heat, Thelma and Louise, Some Like It Hot, and 1979's The Muppet Movie. Plus, you can visit on certain days for $7 family matinees. For more special events, showtimes, and tickets at the Screening Room, you can visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com. Also in cinema news, head down to Market Square this coming Thursday evening, August 17th, for a showing of the animated comedy adventure, The Book of Life, starring Diego Luna, Zoe Saldana, and Channing Tatum. Bring your blankets, chairs, and bug spray for a movie night under the stars. The movie starts at dusk and admission is free. You can visit downtownkingston.ca for the whole summer lineup of movies in the square. You can catch Summer Swing Mondays bi-weekly from 7 to 10 p.m. with the Queen's Swing Dance Club at the Spire. Each night kicks off with a beginner-friendly dance lesson taught by experienced dancers, and then you can stick around for two hours of open social dance and practice time. Queen's affiliation is not a prerequisite, and all are welcome. Tickets are $5 for students and $10 for community members, and you can visit queensdc.ca to find their Eventbrite link and register now. 
And every summer Tuesday in Springer Market Square at 6.30 p.m., you can attend the free Salsa in the Square lesson and social dance. Instructors will be able to guide you through learning the dance and having fun. No tickets are required, and all you need to bring to this dance floor is your energy, spirit, and dance shoes. Again, that's Salsa in the Square every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. at Springer Market Square. Don't forget every Sunday that you can stop by that very market square for the Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market, featuring a variety of vendors, each with their own unique touch. For handcrafted items, visual art, clothing, jewelry, home decor, and traditional Indigenous dishes from Cadu's First Foods, you can stop by Sundays from 10 to 3 p.m. through to September 24th. And if you're looking for something for the kids this summer, you can stop by to Springer Market Square Thursdays at 10 a.m. for Stories in the Square, presented by the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. This event is for children of all ages, so be sure to bring your blanket and sunscreen and enjoy a creative morning in the sun full of stories, songs, and fun. For more information about KFPL events for folks of all ages, you can visit calendar.kfpl.ca. Live music is in full swing across the whole summer in downtown Kingston, but if you're looking for some staples in your live music life, then the downtown Kingston Music in the Park events may be for you. On Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, local acts play the lunchtime series from 12.30pm to 1.30pm in Confederation Park. On Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. in Confederation Park, you can stop by for Country Thursdays, featuring gigs from local country artists. Moving into the weekend, Big Band Fridays brings the throwback in Springer Market Square City Hall Amphitheater at 7 p.m. for romantic, joyful, and jazzy songs. For the kids on the weekends, you can stop by Sydenham Street from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. for silly sounds on Sydenham with live, kid-friendly shows. And every Saturday from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m., you can enjoy local musicians gigging at Sydenham Street for sounds on Sydenham. For more on this, visit downtownkingston.ca. For our first interview this week, we're bringing you a conversation with Michael Bell, frontman of the Bowie Lives David Bowie Tribute Spectacular, headed to the Regent Theatre this month on August 26th. Here he is on the Kingston Curator, but keep it locked because we'll have information on how you can win two tickets to see the show on our social media contest coming up next. We are here with Michael Bell of the touring Bowie Live Spectacular Canadian Act hitting the Regent Theatre in Picton on August 26th here on the Kingston Curator. Welcome to CFRC. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for having me on the show. We're really excited to be talking to you here and really excited to be hosting uh, more information about this upcoming show. So to start off, I thought maybe it would be cool to take it from the beginning and really meet the people who make up this outfit. So can you talk to us a little bit about your musical background and about uh, the folks in your band and where everybody comes from? Uh, sure. Uh, my musical background, I guess, is I've, I've been a singer since a, a young teenager and had my first bands in high school, released my first record uh, independently with a band in the uh, last year of high school, I guess, and um, then uh, changed courses and went busking across Canada for a couple of years with an acoustic guitar and then came back to Toronto. Um, formed a band with An Andy Ryan called I.I., uh, which went on to win a Q107 Homegrown contest in the 80s. And um, then after that, while I was waiting for stuff to happen, um, I put my first Bowie show together, Changes All Bowie, which was kind of a theater, a circuit club uh, idea with, I did eight costume changes and it was all pre-recorded with dancers and scrims. And then um, after that, I, right around that time, I met my wife, my now still wife, and um, decided to come off the road and and ended up publishing a entertainment tabloid called The Wire in central Ontario for about 30 years and promoting shows and working with artists in the background and learning the business from the, from the other end of things. And then about uh, nine years, Ago, I guess I closed my office with the wire and um, decided to go back out on the road, kind of at the end of my life, you know, as an old guy, um, <laughs> you know, and reinvent myself and and uh, take a serious stab at music again. And uh, I started when I came back out. I started going through the theaters and uh, jazz clubs, singing Buble and Sinatra tunes because I thought that was age appropriate and it was music I loved. 
uh, sung big band all my life. And, uh, and then uh, all through that, um, I was working with a local guy, Michael Beauclair. He's a drummer, music director extraordinaire. And he'd always been trying to get me to put a Bowie tribute together, and I just wasn't interested at all. And then finally, um, after David passed, um, I got asked by a lot of people if I would do that. And, um, and then Michael put the show together, put the band together. We've had all kinds of different lineups in the band. We started with uh, like Chuck Daly from My Mother Earth on bass, and Sandor Schweisberg from uh, Johnny Orlando's band. He was on keys, and Matt Hatzlagen from the Shuffle Demons on sax. And, you know, it was a big all-star band. And uh, I guess the rest is sort of history at that point. We, you know, we, we went into the, we did a couple of clubs and then we went straight to the theaters and then COVID hit and, you know, as it did with everyone, derailed everybody's momentum. And uh, so we just came back out, I guess, last year, really. And, um, and here we are. There you go. There's a, there's a synopsis, I'll tell you. There it is. Well, that's great to know and to have all this kind of context. And talking about kind of being in lockdown and then returning to the theater circuit, did you find that there was any way that the show or the group or the act changed in that sort of downtime and then being able to perform again? Well, from the show's perspective, it was good in terms of just our ability or my ability to rethink the delivery of the songs and the show. So that, you know, there's moments of reflection. Um, there's also been a film uh, that's been shot since the beginning of this called Being David Bowie and uh, filmmaker J.C. Velvet, Velvet Orb Film, independent music producer, uh, uh, cinematographer guy. He, uh, he had this idea to go and say, okay, why don't we, why don't we just film how this thing works and, and uh, over the years, its development and and that sort of thing. So we had time to work on that stuff during COVID as well. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we rehearsed a couple of times when we came back out and that was sort of it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's been tough. There's no doubt about it. You get all this momentum, everybody's feeling normal. And then, of course, COVID and the whole world goes into crazy lockdowns. And not that wasn't warranted, I'm not not one of those <laughs> I believe that all precautions that were taken were taken it's the best of intent so I was my wife was actually out on the front line giving COVID injections like a vaccine she okay about the department as a nurse so I mean, um, but anyways I, I did that um, that's yeah that's basically the the notion of it, I think, yeah. Yeah, no, but that's really interesting to hear. I was especially curious in this instance because you're bringing these songs to people that everybody knows and everybody loves. So when a group like this comes out of COVID, it almost seems like um, when they're able to return that we're returning to a little bit of normalcy as much as we can in kind of a way that's probably very special to people to be able to celebrate this artist and this songs that many people hold so dear. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably true with everybody, with all the all the shows, all the tributes that are out there, um, and especially where artists have passed and you don't have any of that, uh, you know, new stuff coming out in any way. So, uh, sort of that, that's the last vestiges of what you can what you can hear in terms of a lot of a lot of artists. But um, yeah, our our crowd is a bit different, I think, because. We tend, our crowd tends to be a bit more educated and a bit more cautious about things and, uh, you know, the creatives and that, that sort of thing. So um, I think I think there's a lot of apprehension still about going in. I don't see it in so much if I'm looking at like a country alt show or something like that. I think people have, have forgotten COVID. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I think my crowd still, as I am, quite aware of of uh, the potentials out there and things of that nature. So, so yeah. So I mean, when people do come out and as they do to a show, you always think, okay, you know, some people out there are probably thinking they're risking their lives by doing this. So better give them a good show. 
Oh, absolutely. That's a really great point because as much as we talk about the return to normal, I think I think it's great to hear from artists who recognize that it is still, you know, a risk to go out there and everyone does not have the same, you know, um, the same status of health or the same ability to protect themselves. So it's good to hear that we got to remember that everybody is welcome in these spaces and they are welcome to do what they what they feel is necessary to protect themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we first came out, uh, we were playing the crowd with masks on, and that, yeah. you know, and two seats between each couple. I mean, that, that was a spectacle in itself, right? Like, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a thing that's going to go on and on. I just hope that folks really take the opportunity in their lives to take care of their health and, and uh, take census of, of uh, you know, their ailments and, and work on being healthier people. So, you know, that, that in itself will help to boost the immune system and, and make things not quite so uh, life-threatening, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of interesting to talk about that time where you had to play to masked, social distanced uh, crowds and then playing this music um, from decades past. It's almost like two kind of time capsules that you kind of put together and make uh, new and make, I I guess, just combine for a contemporary audience, which is just something that occurred to me as you were speaking about what that must have been like. But in putting together this show of Bowie's music and kind of eras, is there any kind of highlight for you personally of the show you'd like to share or your favorite part of being able to take this show on the road? You know, uh, for me, it's really been about, I'm, you know, I'm an older guy, so I'm in, I could be in retirement, just, you know, hanging out, enjoying other things in life. But at one point it was like, certainly I want to go back out and sing and, and be an artist and be a performer again. And, and so that's what kind of inspired me at the beginning of all of this. At, at this point in time, I've really realized that I've always taken it on as a personal mission that people don't forget the guy's music. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I mean that in the most sincere way because my background is I basically discovered the guy when I was 14 years old and I bought Young Americans that came out. And, uh, and it knocked me out. Like I, I was already into music listening I was you know listening as many did at that time the Partridge family you know, yeah. as a young guy Bobby Sherman or something I guess it's a little earlier than that um, so you know by the time I was ready to be my own and had my own band and that sort of thing and then to discover Bowie and discover all the things and all the implications of this guy um, not only the great music and the, the creativeness of his music but his approach to making records his approach to obviously fashion, his approach to marketing and media. Um, you know, he taught me so much as a young guy about how to stand out. You know, like to this day, I tell young artists, you know, you want to stand out, just do the exact opposite everybody else is doing. Yeah. And, that's what, and that's what Bowie taught me. And, you know, all my life I've been swimming upstream, it seems, you know. And uh, so, you know, for me at this point in time, I, I want to make sure that people don't just remember the guy as, um, you know, let's dance or modern love or something. Yeah. You know, or serious Moonlight or some, something in the 80s with my audience. You know, young people are coming to the show more and more because I think they've tuned into how cool the guy is, you know, or what. And, uh, you know, the old folks that come to the show, they're either Ziggy fans or they're um, let's dance those are the eras they yeah. know and there's so much more than that so in the show we present all of it like we start at the beginning of space oddity and we go right to the end of his career and we do all the hits in between and we parade out um models and dancers in the in bowie costumes as i wear just the iconic blue suit yeah throughout his career he's worn a blue suit at different points right so um so I, that's me sort of as the, the time, I'm, I'm, I'm the spoke to all this stuff. But in no way do I ever at any time in the show pretend I'm David Bowie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that kind of thing. It's more about, I talk about the influences the guy had overall as a narrator, more or less. And then, of course, sing the song. And cut my teeth 
singing this guy from a teenager. So I, you know, I'm just so intimately uh, aware of all the nuances of his voice and, and uh, inflections and things of that nature. So, which puts me in a unique position to do this job, which is, you know, emulate the music of David Bowie. Yeah, that's so interesting to think of it almost as like a kind of full circle moment for you creatively to start here and then to return after, you know, many different parts of your career and past this COVID madness to kind of be able to do that. That sounds really fantastic. And maybe just to end off, I was wondering, what would your invitation be for folks to come on out to this particular show at the Regent Theatre? Well, if you're if you're a big fan of Bowie, for sure. I mean, those are the hardest folks to convince because, as real hardcore Bowie fans, hate this idea. And until, <laughs> I, until I get the you know get it out there to people that no no no, I'm not pretending to be you know David. I'm not pretending like this. It's not like one of those kind of deals. You know, this is this is a um, you know an homage to the guy. Yeah. Uh, and I want, you know, I want real hardcore fans. I'll tell you a funny thing is uh, when I look at seating uh, charts on theaters that we're playing, I've worked a lot of shows in my life as a, in the background on a lot of festivals and concerts. I don't think I've ever seen a show like mine that just sells like one seat. You know, not, yeah. not overall, but one person comes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the region, for instance, is, you know, it's slow. It's always starting to sell at the last minute of the show. It always seems. Um, but one guy or woman has bought a seat, two rows in front of the soundboard. It's totally empty by themselves. Yeah. And, and you know what they're there for. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're there to tell me it's terrible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know? So, and we get them at shows. I've had people who have worked with Bowie on his tours and things come to the show just to tell us that, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And then we've won them over in the end. We get emails from people all the time saying, I was really reluctant about going to this show. I hate tributes and I hate the idea, you know, of somebody trying to be David Bowie and all this stuff. And then they'll say, oh, you know, I went to the show and it just knocked me out. So, you know, for people who respect the Bowie, you know, we do the most respectful job of portraying uh, his career. And for folks who don't really know him, come. You'll be pleasantly surprised at all the material that you didn't know was his. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was his song. Yeah, of course. Or that one, you know. So, so yeah, that, that would be my pitch. That sounds awesome. And it's great to hear about folks, you know, of all walks of life and of all kind of stages of knowing David Bowie, admiring, respecting his legacy, being able to get something out of the show or just have like a great evening of music regardless. So thank you so much for being here, Michael. This has been a great chat. Uh, Folks, Bowie Lives will be hitting the Regent Theatre in Picton on August 26th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets start at $50 and are available now at theregenttheatre.org. But keep it locked because we'll be giving away two tickets to the show on our CFRC socials. That's coming up next on the Kingston Curator on CFRC 101.9 FM. To win two tickets to see The Bowie Lives at the Regent Theatre in Picton, Ontario on August 26 at 7.30pm, head over to the CFRC radio socials to find our post. Simply give it a like, make sure you're following CFRC and The Bowie Lives, and comment down below tagging the friend you'd go with. Plus, be sure to tune in to the Kingston Curator next week to hear the winners announced. We've got more in live music coming your way next. For today's live music lineup, I'll be featuring shows from fantastic local and visiting acts fast approaching to Kingston. Keep it locked because you won't want to miss these details. The 8th Annual Indie Rock Campout Voodoo Rock Fest runs this weekend from August 11th to 12th in Odessa. You can catch All in Chains, Black Paint, Stuck on Planet Earth, Astral Gates, D-Raps, The House Call, Nighttime Drive, Amy Gabba and the Almost Famous, Maybe May, and Call the Wolf, which includes tributes to Alice in Chains, Hole, Pearl Jam, and Van Halen. 
gates are at 4 p.m. on Friday and the music kicks off at 5.30 p.m. on Friday and runs until 11 p.m. on Saturday. This is an all-ages festival and tickets for a single day start at $60 and full weekend passes starting at only $120. For more on camping add-ons for only $20 as well as other packages, the full lineup, vendors, and more, you can visit VoodooRockFest.com. Tonight, August 11th at the Mansion, is a jam-packed night of two shows. Kicking off the night with jazz, funk, R&B, and more at 8 p.m., Rexford Drive, Sun-Dried Whales, and Nice On will be playing a 19-plus show. Tickets are $10 in advance or $15 at the door and are available now through the listing on kingstonlive.ca. Later that night, the electronic party with Matt Almeida, Shandar, a lazy DJ, and Bill Jobs kicks off at 9.30 p.m. and tickets are only $12. Again, this is a 19-plus show, but for your jazz and electronic party on Friday night, be sure to head over to the mansion. On Saturday, August 12th at the Mansion, Monac, the Beta 58s, Last Chance Marie, and the Dead PD Society will be bringing you a night full of rock, alternative, pop punk, and everything in between. This is a 19-plus show with doors at 8 and tickets are $15. Lastly, on Sunday, August 13th, Romley Taper and the Lip Liners are bringing their comedic, poetic indie style to Hotel Wolf Island in a free concert that kicks off at 3 p.m. Romley Taper is an active composer, producer, and multimedia artist who invites a rotating roster of some fine local musicians to improvise around her musical storytelling that cycles through influences like folk, funk, jazz, cabaret, cinematic, post-rock, and pop musical sensibilities. Plus, this gig features a local all-star backing band of Tailhard Frost, Pete Bowers, Jason Mercer, Postgate, and Sobel, so be sure not to miss out on this unique, awesome afternoon. For more information on these and all of the awesome shows coming to Kingston this weekend and beyond, you can always check out kingstonlive.ca. For the next part of the hour, we're going to be spotlighting the Kick and Push Festival ongoing with two interviews coming to you from CFRC broadcast journalist Christina Lowry. She'll be here with Eric Wolf, performer and creator of Doc Weathergloom's Here There Be Monsters, as well as Madeline Smith, assistant production manager and development lead from the festival. Here they are on CFRC 101.9 FM. All right. Well, to get us started, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Eric Wolf. I'm uh, the artistic director of a Toronto theater company called Eldritch Theater, and we specialize in in sort of giddish, giddish, giddy, giddishly ghoulish. No, ghoulishly giddy. That's the word I'm trying to say. Ghoulishly giddy uh, plays about the supernatural and the uncanny, and, and we use puppets and parlor magic and masks, and all kinds of crazy things to uh, to tell our stories and perform our shows. And we're here in town with a new production called Doc Weathergloom's Here There Be Monsters as part of the Kick and Push Festival. I mean, both in the background you just gave us and Here There Be Monsters, you clearly have a fascination with horror, the Halloween-ish. Yeah. I was wondering how this genre gripped your attention. Uh, well, it's something I've always liked. It was something that my dad and I really bonded over when I was when I was really young. We would, like, from the age of, I don't know, as early as I could watch movies, we'd watch, we'd stay up late and watch, you know, old Universal Horror Films on the Late Show together, and, and he'd take me to see horror movies that I was way too young for, so... It's always something I've kind of loved. And then when I started, uh, I've been an actor since I was a professional actor since I was about 10 years old. And in my 20s, I wanted to start creating uh, work that interested me. I kind of felt like there was a whole niche of, of audience members that weren't being served. So uh, when I was in my 20s, about you know 25 or so years ago, I had this idea that, that we could take uh, sort of horror elements and tropes and and remix them into uh, into a kind of theater that that um, served an audience that was neglected. Mm -hmm. Awesome, yeah. And how would you describe that main audience that you're talking our about? Our main audience? Oh, yeah. Our main audience is nerds and geeks <laughs> and comic book aficionados and people who played tabletop role playing games <laughs> and other assorted delightful weirdos, I guess. <laughs> and then anyone else who happens to wander in. <laughs> and anyone else who happens to wander in, yeah. Yeah, the shows awesome. the shows seem to appeal to a wide a wide variety of people. We've got a really sort of strong dedicated following in Toronto. We have a little uh a storefront theater that we run and we we um we have our core group of of uh audience that comes to those, but but we um we find that kind of anyone who wanders in off the street likes to connect with the sort of childlike wonder and uh, uh, appreciation of 
the magic and the fantastical that, that I think appeals to a wide range of people. Awesome. Yeah. And I was really curious how um, just there's so many different disciplines that both in your work at large, as well as the specific show, there's puppetry, acting, writing yep. and beyond. I was curious how these disciplines sort of all came into your world. Was it all in the same theater universe? Was it like interests in different areas of your life that you brought together? How did you end up doing all these different things? Well, they all sort of, to be honest, the, it, it, it sort of happened by accident. The first show I wrote uh, I had a dear old friend that I grew up with who was moving to Toronto and he was he was a musician and uh, we were both always really busy and I realized the only way we'd ever be able to hang out is if I wrote us a, a play to do together. We I'd always sort of been interested in puppets so I thought and, and because we'd grown up together I thought well let's write a play about growing up and we'll use horror elements to it because i like that and 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 uh, uh we'll make all the other characters out of sort of puppets that i made out of garbage without really knowing anything about puppetry except that i kind of liked it and then sort of overnight i became this uh this purveyor of horror puppet theater <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so that then that became kind of the thing that our theater company did and then um, I guess about 20 years ago, maybe a little less, I had this idea that you could use magic tricks uh, in the shows the way songs are used in musicals. So a magic trick, instead of just being like, I don't know, pulling flowers out of your sleeve or whatever, it could it could be used as a metaphor to, uh, to uh, expand a plot point or to develop a character or as a, a setting of mood, just the way, you know, the way the way uh, composers and lyricists use songs in in conventional musicals. So we, I started um, a serious study in close up and parlor magic that that became kind of all consuming, and then and then very quickly that became a thing that our shows do that that no other company in the world does. And it's interesting too because the puppets and the magic play off each other too because the puppets are a thing that audience the puppet only exists in the audience's imagination the reason we love puppets so much is because we know that it is our imaginations that bring them to life mm -hmm. whereas magic works uh almost as an opposite thing what makes magic exciting is that you use your your rational intellect to try to figure out how the trick is performed and when you can't figure it out you have a sense of surprise and wonder when it's done well and then we found that when the puppets and the magic are introduced quickly in the same world um the audience really gets swept up in a in a in a childlike place in a in a nostalgic place where where magic and imagination uh, become real in a way that they don't often do with conventional theater companies. Yeah, absolutely. Did you sort of come to that realization like after you put the whole concept together or as you were always it, it? Always it's after the smart things you <laughs> say about fact, it. You yeah. think of like, wow, that's really cool. They really liked it when they levitated <laughs> that potato and then the little weird puppet monster came out and ate it. I'm like, I wonder why. And then you think about it and you realize, oh, it's this, it's serving this, this need we have as adults mm -hmm. to, um, to, to touch with a place that uh, that we lived in when we were young and we 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 we, we lived in in a, in a world of play and imagination and um, pretend uh, in a way that we don't often get to as adults. Yeah, definitely. I was also going to ask about the man behind all this wonder and mysteriousness and craziness. <laughs> Your persona, uh -huh. Dr. Pretorius Withergloom. What's his origin yes. story? His origin story, well, he okay, he is a 152-year-old traveling uh, exorcist and itinerant necromancer. And we pull him out of his sepulchral closet once every couple of years to come up with a new show. He's sort of a medicine showman. Mm -hmm. uh, and his shows are, are usually collections of... of, of ghoulish little short stories that that uh that hold 15 minutes nicely but would never be able to stretch into a full play mm -hmm. and uh 
he hates the audience and he hates himself. <laughs> uh, for this show, he's 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 uh, arrived into Kingston to sell his uh, his field guide to monsters, which is a, a small book that audience members can buy to uh, to warn them of the different goblins and ghoulies and creatures that lurk the Canadian shadows. Mm-hmm. A very tortured can... artist who does not want to be an artist, I guess. <laughs> that is correct. That is absolutely correct. All and right. it's fun for me to play him because he uh, he taps into a cynicism and, and uh, misery that I have to hide in my daily life. So I enjoy. You get to express that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoy for an hour and twenty minutes a night to hate everybody as much as I try to pretend I don't. Maybe I should start doing that, man. <laughs> Sounds it's pretty cathartic. Very, <laughs> it's a very cathartic thing to be able to let your disdain for humanity uh, uh, to channel it to, uh, to for the forces of, of entertainment and, and good. Um, you mentioned his book. I was wondering, you can be as vague as you'd like. Sometimes it's yep. better not to know. But um, are these classic legends, are they inspired by true events? Are they of the imagination? Uh, oh, that's an excellent question. I'm. I'm there's a... There's a full range of creatures in it. Some of them are things from mythology. There's stuff about um, uh, famous and not so famous uh, uh, cryptids, um, uh, like Bigfoot. I don't think Bigfoot is in there, but there's a uh, the Toronto Sun reported in the '70s that there was a monster living in the tunnels under Cabbage Town, and he's in there. And uh, uh, there's there's creatures from uh, Lovecraftian pulp fiction in there and some things that uh, exist in the Eldritch theater universe and not outside of it. There's a whole range of monsters in there that people can read about. And it's only $5. Hey, all right. (laughs) How can you lose? There's only $5 for this wonderful little cyclopedia of of, uh, lesser known and entirely unknown cryptids and creatures. I mean, if it's only five dollars to not get eaten by a creature in Ontario, exactly. Then <laughs> I'll take to it. Protect yourself against the Mongolian deathworm, which could easily <laughs> leap out and eat you at any moment if you don't know how to protect yourself. Absolutely. I was also wondering, um, just because you mentioned Lovecraft, there, uh, I was going to ask yep. about the name because it did ring a bell. The um, the name of Doctor Pretorius, Weather Gloom. Where did that come from? That came from uh, uh, the name Weather Gloom. Uh, was created for the very first show we wrote, which was about a little boy named Billy Weathergloom. And uh, that was a kind of my first one-person show. And then when we came around to developing the Doc Weathergloom character in his series of shows, we thought perhaps that he is Billy's great-great-great-uncle somehow. So that's where that name came from. And Pretorius is named after um, uh, Dr. Pretorius from The Bride of Frankenstein played by Ernst Theisger, who was one of the great, one of the great camp performances on film. Awesome. Would you say you're a fan of camp? I'd say the camp horror elements are definitely in there. Yeah, yes, yeah. We try to, I I bristle, occasionally, occasionally someone is foolish enough to suggest that what we do of horror is horror spoof, and I I bristle a bit about that, but, Mm -hmm. but we've been described as both we, we, we have been described as horror camp, which which irritates me slightly less. Okay. That is perhaps accurate. <laughs> How would you describe it yourself then? Well, I mean, there's a, I, I primarily, I think that people go to horror stories to have fun uh, and scares and laughter, I think are really mm-hmm. closely related. So for mm-hmm. most of our shows, we try to, of walk that tightrope between between being funny and scary and like the batman tv show in the 1960s we can both we are both seriously presenting the ridiculous things we're presenting but also with an awareness that there is a there is a fun and a, a colorful ridiculousness to it. One of my big inspirations is the EC comics from the 1950s, Tales okay. from the Crypt and Vault of Horror and uh, uh, 
Kilburn and um, and the, the other one that nobody remembers, which is Haunt of Fear. <laughs> Haunt of Fear. Uh, that trilogy of comics um, uh, uh, is, is sort of a, a tonal, big tonal inspiration. To which they're funny, but they're also blood drenched, and and uh, 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 the horror is 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 not meant to. It's not meant to be a torture to watch it. It's meant to be mm -hmm. fun. It's a chance to laugh at our fears and face them in a way that is enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Definitely a hard line to walk, <laughs> but a fun one, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, um, was this show way prior to Kick and Push or is Kick and Push sort of like the no, first few performances the, of it? Or? Kick and Push is the premiere. We awesome. had planned okay. it. Uh, uh, Eldridge Theatre, the company I run, hasn't officially announced our season yet. We're announcing it on August 20th, which is H.P. Lovecraft's birthday. But um, I guess I'll let the cat out of the bag and say that we were planning on this show being the first show of our season, our Halloween show. Awesome. And then okay. uh, Liam from Kick and Push approached me about maybe bringing it here first. And I thought it would be a great, great venue to, to premiere it. And, and, and uh, Kick and Push is a great supporter of developing new work. So, so we we brought it here first. Plus there's sort of an old world history to Kingston that I think really suits the vibe of the, the vibe of the play. That's true. I was wondering if you'd done the haunted walks, if you'd picked up any or found any creatures here yet. That's funny. I did the haunted years ago when I <laughs> visited Kingston with my, when my kids were young, we came to Kingston and did the haunted walks here. There is a, uh, Near here, on one of the islands, a, a famous um, uh, 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 expert in Charles Ford, who was one of the first chroniclers of the strange and unknown in cryptozoology. His, one of his main biographers lives here in town, so I, I thought, you know, it was a great, there's a great uh, historical precedent in Kingston for a play about strange monsters and unexplained events. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's also definitely a market here for that. I think. Yeah. Oh, well, and that's another thing too, that we're in, we're in the basement of, uh, of the, of the gaming Nexus, Nexus, the, the comic store. And, mm -hmm. um, it's my, I'm like very excited to be there too. Cause it's one of my favorite, it's my, if not my very favorite store in Kingston. So, so a lot of, a lot of the fun of being here for me is that, is that I get to hang out in this great store. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to ask how the shows have been so far now that you're about, I think you're about halfway through. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they've been great. They've been great. We've had a, a we've had a great mix of kick and push audience members and, um, and people who, you know, are, are at Nexus to, to pick up the Dungeons and Dragons book or, a, or, you know, the latest, the latest comic or whatever, and they kind of wander in. And so it's been a really, it's been a, a fun, it's been a fun place to to try the show out. All right. Well, thank you very much. And if you're in Toronto, drop in and see us um, at the Red Sandcastle Theatre on Queen Street. We've got all kinds of crazy stuff happening there. started would you like to introduce yourself and maybe share a little bit about your role with kick and push yeah absolutely so my name is madeline smith i am an assistant production manager and development lead with the kick and push festival so what that means is i help sort of admin the shows um, i'm an extra set of hands here and there to help get things up and running and i'm also heading our development program so dealing with sponsors and funders and uh acting as a liaison between the festival and the community um, but this is our ninth season. We have our 10th season coming up next summer, which is very exciting. And it's been really great so far. I mean, my favorite thing about the Cook and Push is that it takes place in conventional and non-conventional venues. Mm -hmm. So I worked heavily with uh, Pandora in the Box, which was run out of the Tet Center, which was one of our amazing venue sponsors. 
um, and we had this installation. It was almost like a comic book you could walk through. So we've had some shows go up and come down, which has been really great, and we have some more coming up. Uh, but you can really sort of expect to see lots of different things. There's something for everyone. But right now we're we're in the thick of it and it's going and we're really happy to see people coming out and checking things out. Awesome. Yeah. And you just mentioned it there. You have a fantastic variety of theatrical productions, interactive, less interactive, all things in between. I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that. Yeah, absolutely. So with the Kick and Push, our main role or our main sort of focus with audience members is to take them beyond being passive observers. So what that means is you can participate things to your own comfort level. You're not just sort of sitting in a chair and watching something happen. You can be immersed in the experience. So um, one of our upcoming shows, The Bull, it's going to be in McDonald Park from August 10th to 13th. Um, it's actually a bubble tent within a uh, contained performer and the performer is doing mime and dance and drawing and because it's in a park you can sort of seat yourself anywhere and you can engage with this performer um, which is really great I mean from an audience perspective you can be a little bit more involved in the storytelling and have your own unique experience. Awesome yeah and um, I was also going to ask whether compared to previous years or compared to your expectations of this year how's turnout been? Yeah, turnout's been great. I mean, I think when you're working for a theater festival, when you're involved in theater, um, no turnout is going to be enough turnout. I mean, we want everyone in Kingston coming and enjoying these shows. Um, we've had really, really lovely and engaged audience members, and we're really happy that we're seeing people come year after year. But I mean, in terms of getting the word out there, we really want whoever and anyone who's interested to come and check us out. Um, we think there is something for everyone, and we are just really happy that we've had so many great audience members so far. Awesome. Yeah. And um, well, you mentioned this is your first year and I was going to ask a little bit about the process of getting the Kick and Push crew together behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Kick and Push crew is a small but very mighty team. So the Kick and Push is an offshoot of the Kingston Theatre Alliance. So we have a fantastic leadership team in Liam Carey and Amanda, who's our festival administrator. And they are really sort of the brains and the big motor behind this machine that is the Kick and Push, and they're lovely. Um, most of the team is onboarded because our festival is only a month long. Uh, we have a shorter contract period, and a lot of us are Canada summer job students. So it's really great from a student perspective and from a young person's perspective to come on board, be a part of this like really lovely team and this great experience and to meet different people, network within the community, and then hopefully come back the following year as well. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and I was also going to ask, um, I'm not sure of the, the structure of this, so you can sort of enlighten me here, um, about Fringe Fest. Is that sort of um, under the kick and push umbrella? Yeah, so the TK Fringe is one of our really close sort of elbow and elbow um, partners. Great. So we sort of work in conjunction with one another. They're one of our closest sort of partners and friends in putting on theater in Kingston. So kind of think of us as like twins a little bit. We're um, we're helping each other along, and we happen around the same time, which is great. Um, and we really try to do our best. Um, we have the philosophy that sort of rising tides float all boats. So. Mm -hmm because we're going at the same time, there's this mentality in the theater uh, community in Kingston that we all want to help each other out. So uh, we do collaborate quite a bit with uh, the TK Fringe, their artists, um, Rosemary Doyle, uh, lovely, lovely people. And we're really excited to be working alongside them this year again. Oh yeah, that's awesome to hear. It's awesome to hear that there's such a great theater culture here as well. I know I'm aware that there's a huge theater culture, but it's really awesome to hear that you all support each other so well. Yeah, it's really uplifting and it's a great sort of, um, I think, offshoot of the production of the Kingston community in and of itself. Just this sort mm -hmm. of really positive, uplifting um, energy. And we just are really at our core trying to, you know, share positive experiences. Um, and that happens both externally with our audiences and internally within our, uh, our two festivals. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, we'll also look at your programming. You were mentioning how it's sort of reflective of and the Kingston community, there's a pretty wide variety of programming. I was wondering what kind of audiences you're looking to reach. Yeah, I mean, in curating the festival, I think what is really, really important to us is that there is a really diverse selection of shows and that they're all accessible. So mm -hmm. I think when I say there's something for everyone, it means that whether you have sort of a niche or you have accessibility needs or you're more of a film person or more of a visual arts person, um, if you want to be really engaged with the performer versus if you want to take a back seat, 
there's different things. So, um, for example, we have A Perfect Bowl of Pho, which is a musical going on at the Casey Grand. So if you're someone that prefers to sort of go and sit and enjoy, maybe that's something for you. We also had Pandora in the Box, which was a gallery sort of installation and is basically a giant comic book that you could walk through. So you could take it at your own pace, um, enjoy it in your own time. Um, and then there's other things like Living with Shakespeare or Here There Be Monsters or Uteus, which are all a lot more sort of hands-on and interactive. Uteus, which just closed, you actually followed um, performers throughout different locations in Kingston. So you started at the Grand and then you'd move to a bunch of different locations and follow a story. So it really just depends on what your interests are, what you would kind of want out of your experience as an audience member. But uh, we do curate our festival to sort of push forward what is unconventional, what is innovative, and what is, of course, accessible and diverse. I was also going to ask if there are any events that really have stood out to you this past week. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it's try it's tricky to say. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of viewing all of these different programs in both sort of staff capacity and being privileged enough to go through as an audience member. Because we're um, only on week two out of week four, there are some things that haven't gone up yet that I'm also excited to see. Um, so, for example, Living with Shakespeare by Driftwood Theater. That's happening August 5th and 6th in Springer Market Square. And I am a Shakespeare buff. I know not many people are, but I'm excited to see how in Springer Market Square, um, that sort of personal production sort of leaves in the works of William Shakespeare while also exploring sort of our ongoing fascination with him. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, the pool as well, um, that giant uh, bubble tent with the contained performer. I've, I've seen photos of it. You can see photos of it on our website. It is just so visually striking. And I think it's truly something that not many people would have seen before, even thought of seeing before. Um, so I'm quite excited to see that. And of course, um, A Perfect Bowl of Pho, which is going on at the Kingston Grand, is just it's been very, very successful, and we're really lucky to have them a part of our programming as well. Awesome. So yeah, lots of exciting stuff to come still this week. How much longer is, is the festival happening? Yeah, so we started up on July 22nd, and we are running until August 18th. So we're a month-long festival, but we have been annually. So we'll be back with our 10th season next summer. So if you miss us this summer, we're around next summer, and we hope to get as many people out and about and enjoying these experiences as we can. Oh, yeah. I think um, in the world of theater, I think there's this sort of chaos that you can really get into because there's so much going on at once. But um, I, I'm just feeling so, um, so much gratitude and I'm feeling very positive about this experience. And um, from a personal staff perspective, it's been really lovely seeing that things have gone up and come down successfully. We have such a great team and community rallying around these shows. So I'm just feeling so optimistic and excited about the next two weeks. And I hope that as many people get to enjoy it as I have. does it for us this week on the Kingston Curator, but remember that you can check out this and all past episodes on our CFRC podcast feed. You can always catch us live Fridays at 3pm bringing you arts and culture news all throughout the summer. That was the Kingston Curator and this is Lauren Tucker signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.